And then uh, best rapper alive. Tupac. He's not a, you say he lives on. But not a lot. I know. I keep doing that. <laughs> you said, listen, West Coast girls think Tupac lives on. I'm with you. I'm with you. So Tupac, keep going. I keep doing that. <laughs> um, who would I say? I mean, there's so many. I mean, you know, it. I... There's so many, I can't name any of them, except the dead guy. Hello, living people of all genital types and all political persuasions. I'm Dave Rubin, this is The Rubin Report. It's September 22nd, 2023. We are on the Rumble, on the YouTube, and on the locals. If you wanna join us and be part of the show, join rubinreport.locals.com. Paid subscribers get all sorts of extra bonus stuff, ad-free things. You can talk directly to me and much more. Uh, today's show, uh, although we will be doing a Rubin Report, community Q&A, and the questions are all over the place, politically, culturally, personally, et cetera. Uh, I wanted to focus on uh, the destruction of the media up top. You know, that's usually like my favorite thing to do. We can do the racehorse politics stuff, we can do all the culture war stuff, but something about just the absolute catastrophic collapse of the mainstream media, it gives me the I get a little, it's like I get a backbone like a ramrod when I'm talking about it, truly. I just love it because they cannot stop themselves from being horrible. What do I always say? The mainstream media, you don't have to be great, but just don't be completely horrible. Well, they keep being completely horrible. Uh, you guys know Dave Portnoy from uh, Bar Barstool Sports. Uh, even if you're not a sports person, he's become like a real sort of cultural, uh, a cultural I would say, uh, touchstone, really, uh, where he's just kind of in the fight that we are all in all the time, and the media is always going after him, always trying to take out Barstool, uh, and he is fighting them back. He is using some lessons that I think a whole bunch of us have learned over the last couple of years on how to fight the mainstream media, and he put up a couple clips on Twitter that I wanna show you. I'll link that to something uh, about me from a couple of years back and then a little bit on how mainstream media journalists can't stand up to any scrutiny when they go on podcasts where things are a little bit looser. So that's what we're doing today. Before we get to it, let's talk about Birch Gold. Guys, you know that Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued uh, reckless spending and further devaluation of the dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Well, times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold, and you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. As BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. And surprise, surprise, they are buying gold. Follow their lead. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold can help protect your savings too. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave. And now back to me. All right, speaking of Dave, Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports. The guy is making a ton of money. He has a ton of cultural influence. I would say he has some political influence. He's built several businesses. The guy is kind of doing what we would all want to be doing. 
And what happens to people who are doing good things? Well, the mainstream media tries to take them out. So Portnoy got word that a journalist, I almost said journalist without putting air quotes up, a journalist, quote unquote journalist, uh, by the name of Emily Heil over at Washington Post uh, was about to release a hit piece on him. Uh, So he went ahead and uh, gave her a call and uh, recorded it. Enjoy part one. Hey, Emily, this is Dave Portnoy calling. Uh, I'm recording you right now, but I've noticed a bunch of people. It seems like you're sending. We have this pizza fest happening on Saturday, and you're reaching out to our advertisers, and you're basically sending an email that says, to the effect, Dave's a misogenic racist. Do you want to defend yourselves advertising at this event, right? I'm sorry. What's your name, Dave? I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm the guy you're writing the article about, Dave Portnoy. Oh, you're Dave Portnoy. Oh, hey, how are you? Good. Good. No, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't said anything like that. I'm well, I, I can. I can read, if you want. If you want, I can read what you actually sent. I have it. Yeah. Yeah. Read because I, I sent a bunch of notes, so I want to make sure I know which one. Okay. Uh, we are planning to write about the festival and how and how some of the sponsors and participants have drawn criticism by seemingly to associate themselves with Dave Portnoy, who has a history of misogenic comments and other problematic behavior. I want to make sure that Blank had a chance to respond to this since the company is the most prominent and their partners of his festival. Oh, that's the one I sent to which was definitely the most pointed of them because... I really did want them to respond and I was hoping to get something from them. Do you think that's fair? Like I, I totally disagree with the assertions of what you said, that misogenic and all that stuff. So like it kind of backs people into a corner. So I'm happy to go over anything. I mean, you have, that is pretty pointed. You said you didn't do it. Then I have the exact evidence of you doing it. So no, I didn't say I didn't do that. I said I did. That was the one that was the most. Pointed. Well, no, you, you that went before I before I provided proof. You said you didn't really remember doing that. And then I read it to you and you're like, oh, yeah, I did it that one time. So you did do it. You know, it's really interesting because Portnoy is really good at something. He like sort of pretends he's dumb or something or the way he even mispronounces misogynistic. Uh, But then he's obviously really smart and he's doing what the American dream is all about, which is find something you love, build something around it, like do good things. He's raised so much money for charities and a whole bunch more. Anyway, he's doing this pizza fest thing. One of the things he is famous for, he goes to all these pizza joints all over the country and he rates their pizza. Sometimes he likes them, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he gets yelled at by the pizza maker. Uh, But but it's a really beautiful thing that he did here because he called the journalist out on her BS to her face. And I have seen so many examples of this. I have been the target of these things. I've been the person called to comment about certain things when I know they're going for the hit piece. And he basically is saying to her, hey, I know you're coming after me. Um, Why are you going after my advertisers? There was no controversy around this pizza fest. His fans are going to eat pizza and I guess there's gonna have some music and beer and they're gonna go enjoy themselves. But what journalists have become are these activists who want to destroy anyone successful and take any little bit of joy out of the world. I also love the fact that she doesn't know what she sent to other people. Then he's like, oh, well, I do have one here. And she's like, well, I just did that because I only wrote that crazy stuff about you because I was really trying to get a response. Anyway, it continued. It got more heated like a well-done piece of pizza. I'm happy to talk about the comments because to me, it's kind of like torturous interference. Like we're doing an event. Everyone's happy about the event. Uh, you know, I've raised 50 million for small business. I've helped pizza. None of that. It's 
Dave's misogenic and problematic, and I'm happy to talk about it because to me, nobody would like if someone's going around sending that email to their sponsors. And again, you're not like questioning. You're, you're, it's almost like a statement of fact. This is what I am. Yeah, so um, I do want to talk to you about this. Um, and I just want you to know that <laughs> the story I'm working on, I'm working on with a colleague. Um, and I want to kind of loop him on this because we did want to talk to you. And we were when, were you when were you going to reach out? We were planning on doing it tomorrow morning, hmm. but... Um, so you're going to write the article and then give me, like, I've had that a bunch. People write no, a full no, article and then give me the points no, no, after. We're doing a bunch of, no, we're doing a bunch of reporting and we wanted to make sure that when we finally did talk to you, we could really kind of present what, you know, or talk about things more fully based on... Like what? what like, it sounds like you have your opinion made of me based on no, that email. No, no. Uh-uh. So then how, if you don't have your opinion made of me, how do you say in an intro email, Dave Portnoy has a history of misogenic comments and other problematic behavior? That's how you introduce the email. Yeah. So look, I just want you to know that this is, no, I, I want to talk to you about this, but. Um, I don't you think you that. should talk to me before sending that email? God, I have seen this so many times. I've been through this so many times, as I said, and it's just great what he did. They're calling her out on her BS, and you can see she's backtracking now. She works with someone on it, and of course they were gonna contact him tomorrow morning and the rest of it, but you get it. What she's going for here is what mainstream media does to the competition. It's Brian Stelter and CNN last year going after Joe Rogan for being racist. It has nothing to do with him being racist. It has nothing to do with Dave Portnoy being, uh, how did he say it, misogynistic? I can't even say it the way he said it. Um, it has nothing to do with that. It is that he is getting clicks and views and they are a dying dinosaur in the La Brea tar pits sinking down, just trying to grab onto anything before they go under fully. Uh, finally, one more clip of this. He goes for the kill. I have been an open book and willing to sit down with anybody at any time. And this all stems, by the way, from a guy who wrote an article that for 13 years, 13 years, has been tweeting negatively about me because he doesn't like me. So half the stuff he talks about didn't even exist. The guy doesn't like me, and now you're going to run with this on the Washington Post. And anybody who's listening to this to think you were going to give me a fair chance when you're leading to our sponsors before you talk to me is crazy. Okay. Um, can we set up a time to talk tomorrow? Would that be okay? Like, I want to talk to you. I really do. I just want to make sure, like, I've got all my questions ready and stuff to talk to you about. Would that be okay? Can we set up a time? I want to see the article before you do it. No, it's not really. We, we can't do that. And why can't you do? Why can't you do that? Because all I do when I is I validate all the stuff you're about to make up against me. I have been hit with the same things over and over, and they're all so wildly out of context. It's insane to say at this point in the game when you've already written to the sponsors. Let me say it again. Dave Portnoy has a history of misogenic comments and other problematic behavior. I catch you off guard on a phone call, and now you're like, no, we planned on talking to you tomorrow. Like the Washington Post, which is a wildly left-leaning publication, you have things you've said. You hate Trump. You hate Elon. Not that I'm those people. To think you're going to give me a fair shake. I wasn't born yesterday. 
Yeah, good job, brother. For what I can tell, his biggest problem maybe is a little something with grammar. That's about it. But the point is he's calling out this BS. And I, when we were doing this, we were like, all right, can we, there's so many, that I've been through so many of these freaking ridiculous things just like this from Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, et cetera, et cetera. We just picked one random one for you that some of you may mention. Uh, Will Chamberlain uh, was the guy who found this originally on the New York Times. He tweeted this out. This is the state of the New York Times. This is from May of 21. Mara Gay, you might remember Mara Gay. She's a quote unquote journalist of the New York Times, apparently thinks Rubin Report is based basically Stormfront. Now, she was doing an interview uh, with Andrew Yang, who at the time was running for mayor of New York City, and listen to this question that she asked Andrew Yang. Thank you. Over the years, you've built your brand by frequently doing radio and other appearances with right-wing media personalities. At times, you said that the Democratic Party should gravitate away from identity politics. You've supported automating fast food workers at times. Why appear on shows like The Dave Rubin Show, who regularly hosts white supremacists? We went through the list. We went through the list again this morning, the full file. We could not find any white supremacists that I've sat down with. I've probably sat down with some people uh, with odious beliefs. That's partly what you do as an interviewer. But anyway, I had been through this so many times that I flipped the script just like Portnoy did on that hack. I did it on Mara Gay and I wrote this. Hey, Mara Gay, can you name a few white supremacists I've had on my show? Like legit white supremacists, not just people you don't like so you can call them that. Also, the show is called The Rubin Report. I look forward to the apology and retraction. I did not get neither. Unfortunately, I did not get an apology. I did not get a retraction. Uh, Andrew Yang, actually, his response to that was basically like, if you guys at the New York Times would have given me more coverage, I wouldn't have to talk to people like Dave Rubin, which then I was pissed at him for, and then he called me and apologized. But it's like, it's just all gross politics, media. It's all just this endless barf fest. And speaking of barfing, one more from another Washington Post reporter. This is a guy by the name of Philip Bump. And Philip Bump uh, went on a podcast called The Table Podcast, where they asked him about Washington Post's coverage, or lack thereof, of the Hunter Biden story, which is hilarious because his name is Bump, and that's one of the things one might do with cocaine. Hey, what do you take from the text message to his adult daughter, uh, hundreds of text I have to give 50% of my income to pop. I have no idea what that means. I don't. I have no idea what that means. Well, it's, 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 it's I know. It's circumstantial evidence, and you prefer that. No, what, what, what could it I, be? I have no idea. But doesn't it, I don't know. Well, does, I appreciate that, your Has anybody, has anybody asked her? I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't you think somebody should ask her? Okay. Like, I, I'm not, I just said I don't know, and I don't know what to make of it, so I have nothing yeah, but, to say you, about it. Yeah, what, but doesn't, what do you want me to say? Yeah, but you say there's no evidence, no evidence, but then there's a text message where he says, I give pop 50% of my money. That's that's evidence. Okay. Well, what? Okay. Fine. Fine. So it's evidence. I appreciate you having me on. It doesn't. It, that something like that. Who do you think is more? I, I listen to that. And I'm saying. Am okay, I? Am I? Okay, what, you, you can free you, to I go. Think, I feel you want me to leave. Like just walk out in the middle of this you because that go. way you can. You, like, can, you can go. Right. Is this a standard? Really? This is the way the Washington Post handles people who disagree yeah, when with I, them. Yeah. When I agree to be on for 45 minutes. Go. Go. And then go. I get on for an hour and 15. Yeah. Go, that after a while go, I go. Go. Thanks go. for having. <laughs> First off, <laughs> I agreed to be on for 45 minutes. I'm here for an hour and Dude, you're a quote unquote journalist. All you have to do is drink yourself to sleep. I've met enough of you people, okay? You have nothing better to do. The host did a really nice job there. It's like, what is your what is the point of you as a journalist? Like, do you think it might be worth asking a follow-up question? He's like, ah, how would I know? What am I, a journalist on a podcast? 
I just can't take these people. Anyway, the point of all of this is not to say that the Portnoy story is the most incredibly important story ever, but these moments where you can see through the thing and understand that they are lying to you about everything, they are making you think the bad guys are good guys and the good guys are bad guys, the more that you see it, like if you can actually lock that in your brain, you will almost be impervious to the rest of the nonsense that they will throw at you. And by the way, they are going to continue throwing nonsense at you. On that note, let's take some questions and comments from the Ruben Report community, here we go. Will says, with the new studio, I can see that you are a lefty like me. Two questions about that. Do you think that left-hand people tend to be more creative? And second, have either of the boys shown any preference at this point to being right or left-handed? So yes, it is true, I am a lefty. I say it's uh, the last lefty thing about me. I used to be a lefty politically and here we are. Um, you know, it's interesting, my left-handedness is a little bizarre because I bat lefty if I'm playing baseball, but I throw righty. I play basketball righty, but I have a pretty strong left hand. When I was a kid, I used to use lefty scissors, which it's always the freak that's using the lefty scissors. And did you know that, that, that uh, lefties, can you Google this? Lefties die earlier. Because we have to deal with you people. You're this whole right-handed world and you guys think you're so much better than us. And then we end up walking into a wall or whatever might happen. Um, so yes, I am a lefty. And yes, I do think lefties generally, I think this is empirically true, lefties tend to be a bit more creative. A disproportionate amount of artists and creators of this type or that type tend to be lefties. Had, you know, you're the hemispheres of your brain do different things. That's one thing. And on the, on the point of the kids, I do have a suspicion, but I don't know that I have clearance to say it and I don't wanna lead either one of the kids. So I don't wanna say it, yes, but I do think one of them is gonna be a lefty and I think one of them's gonna be a righty, but we shall see. I would love if they were both lefties, I mean, just for sports purposes, if you are a lefty, Connor is shaking his head. You're, you're a righty, right? But you wish you were a lefty. Yeah, baseball, like if you are a lefty batter, if you are a lefty pitcher especially, but basketball, like just by definition, if you are a lefty, everyone thinks you're gonna go this way, but if you go this way stronger, you open up a whole new world. Benjo says, what are the, the chances Trump doesn't wanna win in 24, uh, but instead his main goal is to eliminate DeSantis? His interviews don't seem to mention the future much. I honestly don't think that is completely out of the realm of possibility. He doesn't mention the future much. He does spend an awful lot of time talking about the sanctimonious and the sanctus and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, like just lying about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, that is not to say that if he isn't the nominee, if he is the nominee, I will vote for him over Biden, obviously. Um, but when I say, and I've said this and I get a lot of flack for it, that Trump is part of the machine. You cannot be as popular as Trump and as, as ubiquitous as Trump within the system, like just he's just this thing that the whole system revolves around, you can't be that and then say you're completely out of the system. And maybe the system in some ways is using him because there is one candidate, in my opinion, that is just by far the best Republican candidate of my lifetime. And Trump's main mission seems to be destroying him. So that is maybe Trump's usefulness to the system, right? Like you have to think about it, think about it as 4D chess, right? They love 4D chess. Like what is Trump really doing? He might take out, look, I'll tell you, you wanna hear a really disturbing, dark version of the future? How about this one? Trump takes out DeSantis and then Trump, because they're gonna steal the election from me, that's what he's gonna say, he loses the election, but by that point, Biden just steps down or isn't even the nominee. They figure out what they're doing with Kamala and then guess what? You know who's president? Yeah, Gavin Newsom, so think about that. Daniel, or Danielle, says, do gay men think about the Roman Empire as much as straight men? 
Uh, I don't know that I can speak for all gay men, um, but I did, well, I guess this is a meme that's going around TikTok, people talking about uh, the Roman Empire a lot. You know, they did some good, it all fell apart, you know, nothing lasts forever. I did like the movie 300, that's more about uh, the, the Greeks and Sparta. Um, anyway, we're gonna leave it at that. <laughs> we, we can save America 2024. You know, if I lose another six pounds, I could have the abs of those people. Although they, they couldn't have been real, right? Were the abs of those guys? Those are not real. Those were not real abs. We Can Save America 24 says, what words of advice would you give Trump and DeSantis? I would give Trump the exact same advice that I try to give him on the show all the time. There is a case to be made for you. The case to be made is I did it once, it didn't work out the way I wanted in the end, second go around, but I, by the nature of my personality, the, the way that I just described him, he is this thing in the system that cannot be described. It is a force, it is a power around him. He's barely a human anymore. He's like a representative of, a, of an idea more than anything else. Like, campaign on that. Campaign on that. You don't have to do the lies. Like, every now and again, have the apology. I kind of screwed up the Fauci thing. Ah, you know what, like, what was the point? What has been the point, really? Of, of lying about Florida and COVID and DeSantis the way he has, unless he really is afraid of DeSantis. And I actually really do believe that. My, my firm belief is that this all flips basically the day after Iowa. I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't have to twist and turn myself and contort myself into crazy ways to, to defend the guy that I think is the best candidate while I'm watching an awful lot of people on the Trump side of this do that. Again, he would be better than Biden. Yes, I accept it. So my advice to him would be like, show a little contrition and stop playing the games. Like imagine if he was just running a campaign being like, listen, I'm better than DeSantis. I can fight the fights. I'm a billionaire and I won't have to deal. I won't be susceptible to the pressures that DeSantis will be. I'm better. I did it once. I'm ready to fight. Let's go. Like, okay, that's a case. This thing, I'm just not into it at the moment. And for DeSantis, I would say, I think really the thing that he's missing is it's all there. The competency is there, the policy is there, the sanity is there. He's missing like that magic thing and I, I don't know how you get over that and it's a depressing reality to think that what he's presenting maybe isn't enough to rile up enough people. I, I'm not sure that's the case, but I would say maybe you just have to figure out a way to, to expose that, like do more things just out of this suit and tie. But the thing is, he's a functioning governor and I think, I think it's just who he is. Uh, but maybe there's a way to like be a little more in the culture wars. I, I'm not even sure it's the right advice actually. I, I think you probably just, you'd go to where your core competency is and what you're good at. Uh, Amy says, a little over a year ago, before the boys were born, I asked how you thought your life was gonna change on a Q&A show. Looking back, what are the, some, of mo some of the most unexpected changes in your lives since becoming a parent, I think I mentioned this one before, but like the, the main one, and it's like the most cliche thing you, say, you could say, but it's so true, is that you just realize you are not the most important thing in this world. And I knew that before, but when you have these kids who rely on you literally to be fed and to be changed and to go to sleep and to get the right bacteria so you take them for a walk in the grass and like all of the stuff, you realize that there is something going on here that your parents did and your grandparents did and everything else that's so way beyond you. But I, but I would put that in like a, a smaller box by saying that we did have one night when uh, Luke was really not feeling well uh, and God bless everybody around here. We're, we're doing everything we can. These kids are in great shape and healthy and happy and, and it's amazing. Uh, but we had one night that he had like had a little coughing thing and he kind of looked pale and we were taking him to the emergency room, like there's like a child, a baby, a child emergency room, and we were taking him there, and like 
I'm driving there and in the car, I'm full on talking to God, like, take me, take me. That's a real shift that like suddenly this kid who I've only known for a few months, I'm like, he's now more important than me. Like, take me, I did whatever I was supposed to do here or maybe I didn't do it all, but like, I'm ready to go if that's what the choice is here. Like that, like, that's a freaking pretty powerful thing. But beyond that, I would just say like the, all the good stuff around all of it is just like the joy and the laughter and like seeing their personalities and how much seems to be hardwired versus uh, softwired. You know, it's like nature versus nurture. Like Justin is just like climb everywhere, destroy everything, rip everything apart. Luke just kind of looks around like, what are you people doing? Like, it's just like, it's just so cool watching that whole thing emerge. Uh, Talway says, with Texas declaring a state of emergency due to the, what the governor declared as an invasion and superseding the federal government, do you see this as a positive move or one that brings us more closer to the upending of our ability to coexist together? I would say micro or sort of short term, it's positive. D Texas has to defend itself the same way Florida. We are arresting people if you are here illegally. By definition, you've broke the law. And, uh, and we're deporting people if they come here illegally and, and the rest of it, we're sending up to Martha's Vineyard and that's when the media covers it. Uh, Texas has a much more precarious situation because they have hundreds, if not thousands of miles, could it be a thousand miles maybe? How, how many miles does Texas share with Mexico? It's got, it's got to be at least, what, five, 600, can we check? Um, like, if the federal government will not do their job, and it's not just that the federal government will not do their job, they're knowingly not doing their job. When we play you these videos of all these people crossing the borders where you see them on Twitter or on Fox, because Fox is the only mainstream showing them, it's like they know what's happening at the White House. You could shut it down tomorrow. Wow, 1,200 miles of border. That's a third of the country, basically, that Texas shares with Mexico. That's wild. Um, they know what's going on. So you cannot say this is a dereliction of duty. This is intentional. You, you could not be that bad at this job. Like if I was president tomorrow, there are levers you can push. You can send the military down there. You can send the National Guard down there. Why do we, oh, we literally show you videos this week. They, we have border guards opening the door. Okay, you wait, let's go. Get up to Chicago, hope you don't get shot. It's crazy, uh, but to the second part of your question, like does it lead more if Texas has to do what's right for Texas? because the feds won't do it, does that lead more to the like end of the coexistence of the United States of America? Perhaps, perhaps it does, but the founders set up a federalist system for a reason. Uh, Ted says, what's one place in the world that you've never been to but would absolutely love to go for sure without question, it's Japan. I really, really wanna go to Japan. I think I answered this question on the show a couple of years ago, like when I was like, I don't know, it's probably Nintendo came out in 1985, I'm like nine years old and I saw Made in Japan on the back of that thing, I was like, Japan must be the most amazing place in the world. And Japan is so cutting edge in technology. Also, it would be interesting to see sort of like a, a society that's, that's very ethnocentric, and I mean that in, in the good sense of it, the culture, the food, I love sushi. Like, I've just always wanted to go. I'm re-watching Cobra Kai right now. I'd swing by Okinawa, say my respects to Mr. Miyagi. I would just like to uh, to go to Japan, so we'll try to pull that off. Annie says, what are your thoughts on Mitt Romney announcing that he won't be running for a re-election? Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, how many times have I ever mentioned Mitt Romney on the show? He just became a big kind of swamp, nothing. I am sure the people of Utah uh, probably want someone better, probably much more like their other senator, Mike Lee, who's actually a great senator and believes in limited government and the Constitution and doesn't vote for every expansion of government known to man. Uh, so hopefully that's what they'll get. But Romney will. Romney is gonna be like the tiniest footnote. Like what will Romney go down as? You know, he was a guy that made a ton of money and God bless him for that and worked at Bain Capital and okay, fine. 
lost a presidential election and then was like the most nothing senator that you could ever have, so that's it. Harry, well he did buy, uh, remember he used to get his shirts at, uh, at Costco. He would, would get, what's the brand that they have at Costco? What's their like in-house brand? What's it, oh, uh, Kirkland, yeah, yeah, He would get the two-pack. Remember his wife said, oh, Mitt likes the two-pack of shirts. At, and it's like, no, please, please do not pretend. None of these people are real. Uh, Harry says, what are your thoughts on the UK government trying to get Russell Brand demonetized on Rumble? So this is wild. I, you know, I said earlier in the week, I do not wanna discuss this anymore because the more that we discuss it, the more energy it gives and the more energy it gets, the more clicks it will drive and that's the, the, the horrible selective pressures that, that media companies and we're all under. But yes, something insane happened this week related to the, to the Russell Brand thing. The Rumble got a letter from the UK government, from the House of Commons, basically trying to like ultimate mafia move, take out the knees of Rumble. They basically said, you know, we'll we'll throw the uh, we'll throw the the image of the letter up, and you guys can find it. I, I tweeted it out. You can you can find it. Um, but they basically said, hey, YouTube demonetized this guy to keep their community safe. What are you gonna do? And the implication in there is, we are the government of the UK, and we will come for you if you don't. And I want to say. Uh, I am so freaking proud to have created locals that ultimately merged with Rumble, and we are fighting for free speech, and the CEO of Rumble, Chris Pavlovsky, this guy is a true believer. I don't know that I've any, met anyone more of a true believer in free speech and the right principles than this guy. And when I got on the phone, he got the, he got the letter from them, he called me probably within five minutes, the lawyers were in his office, like they were trying to figure out what to do, and I, I gave him my advice, which is we publicly fight this as hard as we can, and he, it wasn't even a debate with him. He's like, absolutely, he just wanted to run by some of the language with me. Like, it's, it's evil, it is truly evil, and uh, it, it just shows that th they will not stop. They will not stop. But we gotta keep going. Jeff says, what do you think of Newsom's angle? Uh, what do you think Newsom's angle is here? Why would he want Kamala to be the front runner for taking Biden's place? Well, you're referencing that interview when he was asked about uh, you know, who the front runner is if Biden kind of fell apart. He said exactly what he had to say. You, you can't say anything other than that. Like, if Biden steps down, it's the VP. He can't be like, yeah, actually I do want in on it. Cause like it would just create such a firestorm and, and circus. So like you can't do that. So he did exactly what you're supposed to do knowing that behind the scenes, they'll do what they have to do. They will eventually, I still do not think Biden will be, I think he will be the nominee in essence, but I, I just don't think he will be sworn in next time. I think it's breaking down too quickly. Somehow they will figure out a way to push her out. They may have to do it, fiddle with it for a couple months, but they know she's not the future of the party. It would expose way too much nonsense way too easily. And this guy is an egomaniac like no other. And my biggest fear, I referenced it earlier, my biggest fear for the future of America would be that Trump gets in, or Trump becomes the nominee, and because he is so hated, it causes the Democrat uh, vote to just go through the roof because people will just vote because they hate him, and then somehow we end up with Newsom. Ooh, evil. Ronan. Connor just puked in a bucket. That was. <laughs> uh, Ronan says, who is a pundit or personality that you got very close with this year or since you've moved to Florida? Uh, actually, it's the guy who I just had in for our first in-studio interview in the new studio, which we'll be putting up uh, in a day or two, uh, Patrick Ben David from Valuetainment. They're up in uh, Fort Lauderdale. 
And I somehow, we, I did his show about a year ago. I've done it a couple of times since. It was his second time on our show. We've done a bunch of events together at the GOP debate together. Uh, but I just love his zest for success and building things. And he moved companies here during COVID. And, and you know, he left, he was in Dallas. He was in LA before that, but like, moved companies here for the same reasons I moved companies here. We've just kind of hit it off where I think I'm two years older than him, like our references and cultural stuff and sports stuff, like it's all kind of the same. He's just, he's just a good dude. Uh, Elizabeth says, if there's a hot civil war, oh, I like this one. If there's a hot civil war, can we all pool our money together and buy a Ruben Report Island? Or could we just do that anyway? You know, there are some islands in America that are for sale. There really are. And some of them are like a couple million bucks. We probably should, uh, can we put that on the list, on the to-do list? All right, we're gonna look into an island. Let me see what we can come up with. Uh, Heather says, are there some effective ways you can think we can truly speak out against censorship and targeted cancel culture attacks against truth speakers with Bud Light, light sorry, with Bud Light-like results? I'm not sure boycotting YouTube will have enough of an impact, and I mean in addition to speaking out about it on our own socials, which I'm sure many of us already do. Thanks for everything you do. Um, I think the best thing that you can do is what happened with Bud Light. Like, like, well, let's say two things. The best thing you can do is, is really tell people what you think in your own private life. Way too many of us are walking around not telling our spouses and friends and family and coworkers like what we think about things. And the funny thing is that the other side, so to speak, they're always telling us what they think and they're always jamming it in our face. And we always think, oh, if we're just kind of nice and respectful, they'll just kind of move on. But that's not how it works. That's how bad ideas get calcified, right? Like you have to actively push against them. So I think that's one. I think the Bud Light example, and then subsequently what happened to Target, although it didn't stick as much with Target with the trans kid stuff, um, but it did stick to a degree. The Bud Light thing was the best one because it was just like a whole bunch of people being like, you know what, this product isn't great. There's a gajillion other beers out there anyway. Like, let's just not drink this crap. We will find other crap to drink. I would say try tequila, frankly. You have to drink a lot less, you get a nice buzz, sip it, beautiful, wonderful. And the Dave Rubin tequila is on the way, by the way. Um, so that's really the way that you can do it. Beyond that, I would say just try to find other businesses that are owned by somewhat like-minded people. You know, if you know of a restaurant, and I know a couple here in Miami, well, Miami, it's a little bit easier, I guess. But like, if you know of a restaurant that's owned by somebody who's like a little friendlier to your ideas, like we go, I often take the guys to a, a sushi joint, which I, I would mention on the show to give him some publicity, but I don't know if he wants everybody to know his political beliefs. But like the, the manager of the sushi joint, he's a fan of mine, he watches Fox all the time, super nice guy, like so, and it's a great vibe and the food's great, so like I like taking the team there. When I have friends from out of town come in, we always go. And it's like, that's how you can help people kinda get a little momentum behind their own beliefs, you know? Uh, Joe says, what will be Dave's next or first Tattoo. I do not have a tattoo. The guys all got tattoos, actually, while we were in Jerusalem. The, the, it, they say it's the world's oldest tattoo shop, right? In the old city of Jerusalem. So the guys in Daphne all got tattoos. Phoenix, it was your first, right? You guys was all multiple. Your, wait, did you not get a tattoo? No, I got one. Oh, you got one, yeah. And you got like eight, how many tattoos do you have? It was my four. It was yeah. four for, uh, for Connor, uh, sorry, for uh, Brock. Um, I do not have a tattoo. No major plans to get a tattoo. I guess if the biceps were really rocking, I could do like a like a like a barbed wire fence around the no. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 What about just mom? Something like that. That, that would be nice. That would be nice. Democrat. <laughs> 
<laughs> Quinn says, election years never seem to disappoint. It seems things are slash have been winding up in terms of rhetoric, smear allegations, lies, and political policing. How bad do you think it'll get once the primary officially begins? Jesus, has the primary not begun? I think you mean uh, the voting specifically. Uh, uh, you know, after our GOP and DNC overlords tell us who we have to choose from out of the population of almost 335 million people. Oh, I think you mean like when the primaries are done and we're at the general election, like how bad is it gonna be? It's gonna be bad. We're just on the slide where it will always only be worse, right? The lies will ramp up. The, and that's why I just think if there's any way out, you have to find a candidate who doesn't play those games, but maybe we as a country are not ready for that. That is a distinct possibility, I cannot deny that. Um, or, or maybe it's this, maybe enough of us wise up to it, enough of us do what Portnoy did at the top of the show, enough of us realize that there's so much bullshit, there's so much lies, some of us might remember history and know that New York was not better than Florida during COVID, et cetera, et cetera, and then we stop responding to it. And when we stop responding to it, it starts dying off. You think that might be possible? Or have I been smoking crack like Hunter Biden? Find out on the next Ruben Report. Guys, if you haven't subscribed, go to rumble.com slash rubenreport, rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, no post-game show today because I've got to do a thing, but we'll be back. Do not come. Do not come. I'm gonna come. Do not come. Do not come. I'm gonna come. Yes! <laughs> Do not come. Do not come. I'm gonna come. Joe Biden said, come. Do not come. Do not come. I'm gonna come. We must come together. Oh. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubenreport.locals.com.